Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Now, it looks like today, Elon finally, did he get what he wanted? In the end, I think he wanted Twitter, but of course, like always, we could always use a discount. We'll talk about, of course, Elon Musk and the Twitter situation today. We'll get into Helen of Troy, the surprise down guidance there today. Of course, the only stock reporting, so getting hit hard here. The futures are down. We'll take a look also at oil down today. What happened yesterday with the jolts number? Was that what really gave us the lift? We'll talk about it today. And, of course, we got our guest, Sean Udall, the tech stock strategist. We'll find out what plays he's looking at. Let's get into pre-market prep. Rise and shine. It's time to start the day. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. How we doing out there? And yes, it is somebody's birthday out there. So the chat out there, let's definitely wish my man Joel a happy birthday. And he's out for his birthday and also the Jewish holiday. So everybody that's out today and not happy birthday, Joel. Enjoy it. But definitely happy birthday to my man Joel. I hope he has a great one today. Looks like it's a fasting day. So maybe it's a good thing that we don't have him on today because I don't know a fasting Joel. I don't know if I want to be around for that. (laughs) But like always, we're going to get into the market. Let's get towards the first outlook of the day as the futures are down. And of course, we're going to have my carts today. So I'll let you guys know. I'm going to try to make them simpler. I'm going to I'm going to remove RSI. I'm going to remove my average. Some of them like RSI, Mitch. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I saw saw Cameron. She talked about RSI. It feels like I'm not the only one that looks at it. But maybe I should get into the RSI. Cameron knows stuff. Maybe I should get into the RSI. She like she's like full time on CNBC now. She's like a host there. She's on there twice a day. Well, they know when they when they get something good on the stream, they want to keep it right, just like we do, right? So let's get into the futures action. We are down overnight here slightly, um, especially off of the rally that we've gotten. It was a wicked rally, just like we normally see in bear markets. We got all the way up there to three seventy eight yesterday, right towards the close. We actually made a new high, so not a bad little move there towards three seventy seven ninety five. Um, now we're back to 374.55. And of course, oil also down overnight. Um, this could be, you know, all on kind of the buy the rumors, sell the news as OPEC meeting today. OPEC Plus will find out how big of a production cut do they uh, commit to. And of course, how will the oil markets react? Uh, these oil stocks have been making jumps on up as of recent, but will they turn around today? We'll keep watch to see what happens on stocks like ExxonMobil, 
Occidental Petroleum. What will happen today? Will we get back above the 67s or get closer back towards the 64? I sold my Oxy yesterday. Ooh, that could be a sign right there. <laughs> yeah, and again, just lightening up. Um, it's been a wicked three-day rally here, lightening up some stocks back up to 46% cash in the long-term portfolio. You can see as we go down, I get less cash. As we go up, I get more cash, kind of how the contrarian in me works. Still trading market neutral. So the trading account, which I posted the results on my Twitter account overnight, um, um, doing okay, obviously. And uh, yeah, still still trading market neutral. I'm not biasing that. Sometimes I will bias that. But right now, my overnight trading account, I've been trying to trade a perfectly market neutral because this market is very hard to call just day to day. All right. I couldn't keep it away. Let's look at the RSI, right? <laughs> bring it up. Bring it up. Um, all right. So look me? at the daily. We right? buy and we sell it on RSI. Tell me look, what we're doing. Look, look, look at the daily. I always tried to point out the extreme moments because the, in the middle, that never gives you edge, right? And now we're kind of getting back towards that middle spot. We went quickly from down at 15.1 um, on the RSI. And that was on Friday when we got those horrible selling balances. And then quickly, boom, right back up there. We're up towards now 39. And so until we get back towards 23, I think you're going to start seeing uh, some people start selling back into this. But the question is, will we start getting some sideways range here? Um, and I think that that could be an actual good thing, right? We need the markets to kind of calm down some of the volatility yeah. that we've recently seen. I don't think a move straight back up is an actual good thing for the bulls. It, it might sound good, but it's just going to be kind of the same kind of push where you're just always waiting for the next breakdown, right? And so I think some sideways action here would actually be a good thing, especially if we keep avoiding to go back to those June lows. One so that's thing, what I'm going to be watching. One thing to consider is that what we said yesterday, there's no reason to chase this market. There's just no reason to chase it. You're chasing it yesterday. Like I got to get stocks at bottom's end. You're coming this morning and you're down 1% on the S&P. You're down 2 to 3% on a lot of stocks here this morning. And you're like, why did I chase? Don't chase in this market. That's the one thing that is not working. The contrarian, who we're going to get a big contrarian coming on at 835 and Sean Udall. Um, the contrarians have been making a lot more money than the momentum traders in 2022. And that is, you know, fading moves. And obviously, you know, you get the move. So you get the sporting. Now, if you're if you think the bottom is in, and I'm not saying I'm in that camp, but if you think the bottom's in, now you got a pullback here this morning. So now you can strike. I mean, yeah, it would have paid to chase yesterday morning because we had the continuation here. But more often than not, it does not pay. So now you start thinking about the 50% retracement of the three-day move we just had, 357 to 377. We come down to 367. Maybe, you know, that's near yesterday's low too, so it coincides nicely with that. You know, you probably start buying 367, 368, 369 spy because you now have some shorts that are scrambling as well. So buying dips, selling rips until further notice. I'm not buying rips, although it would have worked yesterday morning. Not a bad level to look at. We'll see if we get that 50% retracement now out there, the kind of macro talk that's out right now. Um, there was the Germany economy minister accusing the U.S. and other friendly gas suppliers stating that astronomical prices for gas supply um, and how essentially these gas suppliers are profiting from the war. Of course, we have been seeing though UNG hasn't made a single move in the last kind of two or three weeks since even Nord Stream pipeline got sabotaged. Um, we still haven't heard exactly what happened in that situation. Um, but 
it's been kind of sleepy here. I'm wondering what ends up happening. Of course, I've been seeing Cole kind of make that move recently, right? I've been talking about Cole kind of getting more of the lift because everyone's thinking, well, if we don't have natural gas, I guess the only alternative we have is going back to burning coal and burning wood fire kind of stoves to create heat. So keep your eyes on some coal stocks. We'll see if they lead and eventually natural gas makes a move, but definitely it hasn't made that move recent. And again, I'm just going to take it back. I know that everybody wants to talk individual stories here, but when the VIX is as high as it is, and yes, it came in a little bit yesterday, you're down to 29. When the VIX is up 27, 28, 29, and getting over 30, all stocks just move together. Today, you come in and everything is red. I mean, we actually get, you know, rumors, you know, about an OPEC cut here, and all of a sudden, you know, oil gets a nice spike. While oil stocks are still down here today on that, you know, and oil was up significantly. It's still up a little bit here this morning. But I mean, this is just the market that we're in. Stocks are trading just together. And I think, you know, as long as the VIX stays elevated, that trade continues. People asking me, well, doesn't that hurt your edges when everything just trades together? Well, not really. You can just hedge other things. And the one thing to consider is that the algorithms are programmed to like when oil's going up to be selling airlines, when oil's going down to be buying airlines. And they're they're not quick to adjust. So in this environment, we've actually seen mornings where the airlines, you know, are all of a sudden going the opposite way. And there's opportunities there to say, hey, no, we're above VIX. It's dumb. And they might just, you know, start moving along with oil. Like yesterday is a great example. I mean, oil up oil stocks way up airlines up so it's just showing you how everything is just moving together right now as traders you have to constantly adjust to your environment you know i have the advantage of having 23 years of you know trading full time so you know i've seen the stuff before but that's what the education we're trying to pass on to you on pre-market prep is that you can't just take you know your current strategy and apply it over the course of the next 20 years and make money you're constantly tweaking and adjusting constantly tweaking and adjusting New relationships form, new relationships break down. But I know from experience when the VIX gets over 30, everything just starts trading together. And that's an opportunity for inefficiencies throughout the market. Because sometimes at the open, even you get some institutions saying, oh, well, oil's down here. Airlines going to be way up today. I'll buy them. Then the airlines go down. They're like, well, why didn't that work? Well, it didn't work because the VIX over 30. So you got to understand all the balls that are juggling all the time. And today, what do we get, right? We've been talking about the relationship between the dollar and the bonds, the treasuries. What's going on there has really played a factor in the recent rally. Well, today you're getting a down market. And what do you look at? Well, you take a look at the dollar, dollar up today, bouncing significantly from that 110 support. And I was talking about that 110 support yesterday because I was wondering, would we get a daily bounce back today? We're getting that bounce back It's up towards 111.06, and we're going to continue watching the dollar. I would watch that today to see if we're going to get a bounce or not, or see if potentially could we get a green day into an actual dollar green day, which is would be an unexpected kind of situation here. And then what do you see also today? Well, look at the 10-year. Look at the two-year. They're they're right back up. 10-year at 3.7, two years at 4.13. And when these have been going up, what happens? Our market just comes down. So relationships to keep on watch, treasuries, the dollar, and the equities. We'll see what happens there. All right, so let's jump in into individual stories. Actually, we have an yeah. earnings report here, Mitch. Maybe we should go to yeah. the first earnings report. Yeah, let's go to the earnings report. Let's go to Helen of Troy. And I got to say their name 
is uh, probably cooler than Weirdest I think name. the stock, but <laughs> it's a consumer Weird. stock that kind of creates home goods. But their EPS coming in here at $2.27, beating the $2.21 estimate. Sales at $521.4 million beat the $521.11 million estimate. So you guys are seeing here a beat in the beat, but why would it be down? Well, what a lot of stocks have been kind of getting hit hard on, which is forward guidance, right? Yep, so Helen yep, Troy yep. cutting their full year 23 adjusted EPS guidance from $9.85 and a high of $10.35 to now $9 and a high of $9.40. Um, they also cut their full year 23 sales guidance from $2.15 billion and a high of $2.2 billion to now two. $2.0 billion and a high of $2.05 billion. They cut this on, of course, uh, inflation concerns and inventory issues. Something well, that we continuously hear, right? Inventory yeah. issues. Supply chain still messed up. Welcome to a preview of this earnings season. This is what I believe we're going to see again and again is guidance cuts and talking about supply chain issues talking about in and, and maybe even some demand destruction might show up in here eventually too for some of these companies because i think the consumer is going to be more stretched now than we they were last quarter so i think this is a preview of what we're what's to come so hele been an epic disaster this year 250 dollars a share at start of the year now it's 88 bucks so i don't even know the math on that it's now like 60 plus percent here so ugly 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 continues to be ugly when stocks are making new lows you got to go this is back to 2018 pricing. Is there eventually a bottom? There's good support down at 77 to 80. So you're not too far away from that. You know, did they come in and buy the dip today because, you know, we, you know, had a wicked rally the last couple of days? Maybe. Um, I think I'm just going to watch this one from the sidelines here. But my concern is that there's going to be more companies warning and the next one might not be a company that nobody's really traded before. Well, uh, this isn't really the, the most popular name. As you guys can see, the chat was like, Helena, what? I don't know what that is, but I, we'll keep watch. I mean, it's definitely was a stock that, you know, had a really nice run in the pandemic, went up there towards two, almost two seventies I have on the chart. And then now what do you see? Below the pandemic low. And uh, this is where I've seen a lot of stocks starting to head. And so we got to be careful with stocks like that. Um, a lot of them, I have a feeling they're going to make up that whole pandemic low and it's tough. It's really tough to see these stocks go from all the way up there. And then if you held on and you were like, oh, well, it, it's going to come back. It's going to come back up. There goes the pandemic low through the 105s. Now you're at 89 and getting back towards when the stock IPO. Let me see on the weeklies if this stock goes back even further yeah, it's, you're getting back to some support around 81's 55 we'll see if we're able to hold there next one let's go to twitter uh twitter of course everyone wants to talk about it today and it seems like it's going to be something to talk about and looks like the arbs had their arbitrage dream there as this came in yesterday got halted in the middle part of the day and then unhalted towards the end of the day and got a nice boost of course on what Elon Musk changing course and agreeing to buy the Twitter for the agreed upon price. According to a filing on Tuesday, Twitter's shares were halted after Bloomberg reported that Musk planned to go through with his acquisition at 5420. And then on Tuesday, Musk coming in here and saying that he's uh, buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, 
the everything app. So super apps are what's being talked about here. And super apps are a term to describe apps that often act as a one-stop shop for all your mobile needs. Um, so obviously he knew he had no case on this bot thing to get out of this and it was going to get upheld in court. So, you know, he's just moving on. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have to eat this. He figured it out eating it. It sucks that he has to buy it at that price. Um, Twitter's trading up obviously on it. 51 62. It's down a little bit here. You now have the time two two risk factors. The takeout price is 54 20. So, you know, your upside is about $2 and 50 cents. The downside is something else happens. Musk changes his mind, which he's done before. Or you also have the time value of money problem here, too, is that we're not in a 0% environment anymore. On a risk-free rate, we're at 4%. So time value of money becomes a consideration here as well. Personally, I'd ring the register and move on because I don't think the risk warrants the return to have $2.50 of upside. And obviously, if something goes wrong, maybe more significant downside. So I think this trade's over. Um, congratulations to those who bought it back in July on the dip when Musk said he wasn't going through with it because he had no choice. He had to go through with it. So the arbitrage traders winning here in the case of Twitter. The repercussions here are significant for a number of stocks. Obviously, Tesla is the obvious one. Does Musk stretch himself thin trying to run yet another company? He's got the boring company. He's got SpaceX. He's got Tesla. Now he's going to run Twitter too. Maybe he's going to hire somebody to run Twitter. But I mean, this is just Dizzy stretching himself a little bit too thin. That's a concern for Tesla. Second thing is if the financing, he's getting some debt financing, I believe through Morgan Stanley, if the debt financing doesn't come through in the amounts that he needs, he could end up having to sell more stock, So, which would bring down the Tesla price as well. In, in either case, I don't think any of this is good news for Tesla. The one thing is it's holding up well. That's impressive. The deliveries weren't great, holding up well. So Tesla has held up well in the face of bad news. The stock is absolutely loved by the, by everybody, it seems like, on the street. Uh, but I just, I'm still cautious here because I just don't know if he's going to have to sell more stock here if he does, if the debt financing doesn't go through. The Twitter situation, I don't really understand, but I will give you at least uh, some of the comments that we got yesterday from Gordon Johnson. He said the semi truck is never going to come out, Dennis. Says they're never going to get it out there. <laughs> Gordon Johnson's so interesting, and we love Gordo because he's so opinionated. He's been very wrong on Tesla, but we love him because he's not afraid to give his opinion and give what he thinks. And you know, if he's you know, he sticks to his thesis. He's been on that Tesla bearish thesis for a lot of years. Been wrong, but we still love you, Gordo. Um, and he also said about the deliveries. They they reported in their deliveries that it was a logistical concern on why. It, it wasn't it, they weren't able to meet deliveries well if you take a look at it and he stated these stats and i kind of i have to check on them but if they're true it would go ahead to question what happened really there in the deliveries he said that you could clearly see that in the, if you order from china you can get the car in about a week if you order the car from over here you can get the car also in a week so what would be to say that there was logistical concerns on why you didn't meet deliveries if you can receive the vehicle in that fast of a manner? So I think that was clearly a question that it was, it was a good question coming out of the earnings because Elon clearly stated that it was logistical concerns that why they didn't meet their earnings, uh, their deliveries. And he There's also stated props. how give, he always does it. 
Let's give some props to Chill Ones. He's been a shareholder since 2017 in the chat. He's one of our regular contributors. And obviously, that's been a fantastic stock tone for the last five years. So nice hold on Tesla. Um, what do they think that, Mitch, I'm going to throw it to you on this one. What do you yeah. think it means for Snapchat? Obviously, this is not good news for DWAC. I mean, Digital World is an obvious one here. It was down yesterday with this. We know DWAC is the Trump um, social media platform. Yeah. Their Truth Social are going to become that eventually. I mean, if Elon Musk indeed does let Trump come back onto Twitter, does that mean the luster isn't so much for Truth Social? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about DWAC here. Yeah, I'm concerned. I've been concerned about the WAC since the first time they mentioned it, but um, I, I don't think it hangs on at all here. And I don't think True Social was ever really going to get off the ground. Um, I'll just be as honest as I can about that. I don't think it even had a chance. Um, but if Twitter is going to be private, it's going to be a super app. That's probably going to be the one to have. Let's just be honest. And especially uh, most of the people investors don't want to bet against Elon, right? And I think that you're right about it being probably a bad thing for Snap and kind of meta, right? If they're going to kind of innovate here and become this super app, what will happen to Snap and meta, right? Will they just get lost in this? I think that's definitely something that could happen here. And if you take a look, meta has just completely come down here. And Twitter, what will happen there? Will they become kind of more a subscription product? Will you need to kind of, uh, you know, pay for this? You know, it's been a free product, at least to just use on the basic service for a long time. Will that change? I think that's something that we'll definitely have to watch to see what Elon makes of Twitter. So... I want to stay on this topic one more because there's obviously other stocks to think about here as well. And Snapchat and also Pinterest here. I mean, Guy Adami and I don't know if it's Dan Nathan were making arguments on Fast Money that I couldn't disagree with more. They were saying, well, and Guy Adami, I don't know what he's thinking on this argument here, but saying, well, if Twitter is is worth this much, isn't Pinterest and um, isn't Pinterest and Snapchat worth this much too? I mean, that's just an argument that doesn't make any sense because, and I love you guy, but it doesn't make sense because this is a forced buy. There's no way in the world that Elon Musk would be paying this kind of valuation for Twitter if he wasn't forced to. It was just different market conditions seven or eight months ago when he made this offer. So I think he, I don't think you can extract any valuation from Twitter and say, well, Pinterest and Snapchat should be trading you know, at a higher valuation because Twitter's going off the board at this valuation. So I would stay away from that argument. And then secondly, is anything that Elon Musk runs becomes, you know, I, I just love the way, you know, he runs a business. So if he's running Twitter, it's going to be better. And if he's run, if it's going to be better, does that mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he get, attracts more users from a Snapchat or I guess Pinterest is kind of its own thing. But I just, I just can't see, you know, extracting that valuation argument from Twitter, and I'm sure there's other people saying the same thing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, my biggest thing will be what will happen to Twitter? Will it be more of a, it wants to grow the subscriber base or will it be more revenue focused? I think it's going to turn to more of a revenue focused business where it actually focuses on trying to make money off of their subscribers. This is what they don't do right now that I think is a disadvantage, right? If they charge a small fee, even a $3 a month fee, Imagine how much revenue could come on in. 
then they could reinvest that money to actually create innovations on their platform. I think that's where Elon will take it. Um, I, I don't see him doing things for free. Let's go towards AutoZone as they uh, authorize an additional uh, 2.5 billion share buyback plan. Let's go to AZO here. AutoZone continuing to push. It looks like it's trying to get through that 2200. Not a bad looking chart as it's hanging on here. Has a couple of drives on up. Whenever I look for those third drives, I look for this fourth one to really be the one that breaks us out. It would need to kind of get back over that 20, uh, 2,300 and what do you got? 55 there, a uh, high of 2,362. So that's what I would be looking for in the long run. AZO, can it hang on here? Trying to push. Two, two things. Um, and I love your pun there. Drive on up there with the auto zone. <laughs> so I see what you did there, Mitch. But one thing to consider is that if you're not buying new cars, if you're strapped for cash, you're fixing up your old cars. I mean, that's where you get into the auto parts dealers. And maybe they actually, they're not necessarily recession proof, but they're not going to get as hard hit as maybe a Ford or GM during a recession here. So I think there's a reason that AutoZone has held up very well. I mean, you can look at the big three, O'Reilly. Um, that is right near all-time highs, I believe, O-R-L-L-Y. So been an unbelievable performer as well. Again, you know, if people are driving older cars, they need more things to fix. So that makes me think, you know, that the auto parts, you know, secondhand, you go into your auto zone, you get your stuff. It makes me feel like that these companies actually do not necessarily better in recession, but they don't get hit as hard. Advanced Auto Parts is another one, which hasn't held up as well as the other two. I'm not sure why. Um, I don't follow the sector closely enough to know the differences here, but 244 down to 167. I mean, you got O'Reilly and AutoZone, which are fairly close to their all-time highs. And then you obviously have... Uh, advanced auto parts which is not the same so not sure why the difference there but definitely something to consider all right wanted to catch the adp number that came in we've here. been leaking too yeah there's an adp number at 815 we got uh here it is non-farm employment changed uh for september at 208,000 versus 200,000 estimate prior was a hundred and 32,000. So higher uh, hiring out there. Um, so that's not a bad thing. Um, we've got to get through the hiring to actually get to unemployment, right? And so I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing for the markets, but we continue to leak at least today. Um, will we break through the lows? Pre-market low is at, at least for the SPY, I have at 373.81 right now at 373.97. One all thing right. to consider too, uh, both Richard and Spinner pointing out in their chat, love the chat because they're all over everything, is that wages were up. Um, it sounds like 7 7.9%. I mean, we know this. Inflation is going to be sticky there as well. But wage inflation is going to be a serious issue here because people go to the store and they're like, ah, it's costing me more to live. I need more money. And where people were asking for two, three percent wage increases, you know, on an annual basis, they're now asking for ten, sometimes fifteen percent more. So, I mean, this is the environment that we find them, ourselves in. This is the Fed's problem: is that now consumers are expecting inflation, and that's an issue. 
Yesterday, of course, we got that jolts number that was a 10.05 million, a 10% drop from 11.17 million reported in July, showing us that at least lower job openings out there, but the ADP number coming in a little bit higher than expected. Let's keep going. Let's go towards the next one. We got a Morgan Stanley upgrading on Ford Motors to overweight and announcing a $14 price target. So let's go towards Ford. Um, it's a nice contrarian call. I wish it would have came two days ago, not after the stock has one of its best days in a long time. Maybe they were waiting and they're trying to get the follow through here. Ford is trading higher because of the upgrade. Obviously, you can look at GM and say it'd be down 2% probably for it, if not for the upgrade. So it's adding 3% to the price, 1% in the physical price, and then 2% because it should be down today on a day that we're down, but because of the upgrade, it's trading higher. I mean, you start looking and you think 13, 13 and a half. What'd they give? Price target of 14? Yeah. It's too much risk to jump in to Ford with an upgrade for $1.50. I mean, upside here, this is too much risk. And again, I think we're going into a recession. I think you fade the Morgan Stanley upgrade. I think they're wrong. I mean, was they just called pretty much the middle of the price action for the last three months. That, that, that doesn't really take much, right? I mean, they're like, all right, what's the average price action for the last three months? All right, let's call it 14. Um, it, but yeah, I mean, we have recession coming. A lot of that is going to come on in to hitting the auto industry. We've already heard how new cars are costing 48000 on average. People buying over sticker price. You think that's really going to happen in a recession? No. They're not going to be willing to pay over sticker price in a recession. No. If anything, you're going to see what? The incentives come back. But that's going to be after they get that's destroyed coming. on their, their kind of deliveries. They're going to get hit hard because there's going to be people that just stop buying. And I think that we're really getting close to that moment where the consumer just starts giving up and just starts focusing on just their everyday expenditures like food, but they're not going to be buying no big products. And I'm kind of worried about not getting a Santa Claus rally this year because, I mean, let's just be honest, can't buy as much gift as you bought two years prior. I so. think that's going to show up. I think the consumer's strapped. It's my argument for why I'm not fully invested in the stock market. I, and I think Ford and GM, I, 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 maybe it's just my town. Maybe it's just, you know, my area. Maybe everybody's still buying cars like crazy. But I'm telling you, you used to drive through those car lots and there was like, you know, oh, there's, you know, lack of supply. There's, you know, you know lots of people looking at different vehicles. I don't see any, like I, very few people. The, the car lots look dead. And they look like they got lots of cars on there. So I think things have changed. I think the consumer has changed. I think they're strapped for cash. The rich people are still going to buy and upgrade cars. But I think the average person is not looking to buy a new car right now. Not with interest rates higher. All right. So I have a kind of a conversation piece that we can go to next. Let's go to Disney's chart. And we can also look at Netflix in this, we can look at Para, we can look at Warner Brothers. So the question that I have for you, and I'll spin it to Dennis here, is what do you think about a streaming service into a kind of like cable TV style bundle from all of these? Like, you know, now that we are getting away from the cable TV, what if you bundled all of them, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Paramount, uh, Netflix, um, HBO Max, it would be about like a $50 bundle. 
You think that this could be still cheaper than a cable bell? Yeah. It's a conversation that uh, I've heard from multiple sources. The NBC has been trying to do this such. They've been reaching out to different streaming services like, hey, do you want to bundle with us? We want to do like what the Disney Plus thing did. But with you guys, would you be interested in? Looks like there's nothing that's actually moving forward right now. But it's an interesting thought as you keep going further and further into streaming services versus, you know, the old uh, plug in the wall kind of TV. I mean, this has been the argument against, you know, owning a Comcast or owning a Verizon or owning, you know, a cable provider here, owning Dish. I mean, is that the streaming service is coming for their business and it's the argument that has worked. I mean, all of these businesses here, AT&T, the DirecTV is just a mess. I mean, you know, you, all these stocks that, you know, have these attractive yields have been getting hit, obviously because rates have been going higher, but they're also getting hit because this, you know, streaming, you know, secular change is is for real. And Netflix is holding up fairly well. I do think Disney is obviously getting hit because of the theme parks, but the Disney Plus product is going to be one of the excellent products as well. Paramount, I don't know. Um, it's you know, do you, do you buy all these stocks saying, well, streaming's the future? I mean, there's too many other businesses there. Netflix is a pure play on streaming. Disney is a nice play on streaming, but the parks are probably going to suffer if we go into a recession, which is why I think the stock is coming down. But I think you just avoid Comcast. I think you avoid AT and T, and I think you continue to avoid Verizon. We'll see what happens with these. I mean, the one that has surprised me on how it hasn't come back since the debacle uh, would be Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, it was a point in time. I mean, at least I feel like they have, you know, the networks that everyone's watching on cable TV now have HBO Max. Will they ever get out of the hole? Warner Brothers. The disaster. WBD has just been an epic disaster. The stock, 70 eight dollars down to 12 bucks here i mean is this it's hard everybody and again i just want to reiterate you know stuff that we've been saying on the show is that you know people will look and say and there's people that buy stocks for the reason well it was 70 dollars. i buy it at 12 when it gets back to 70 i'm going to make 400 percent of my money stop thinking about where they've been because a lot of these stocks didn't belong where they were there's too many things have changed Stocks go down from 70 to 12. A lot of times, you know, kind of two years from now, they're like six. So, I mean, it's just the death by a thousand cuts. You want to be in good companies at reasonable valuations. Warner Brothers, unfortunately, is just not a good company, in my opinion. So, um, I'm staying away. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's keep going here. I'm going to bring us in on over to just take a look at Apple, right? I mean, that has been kind of the leading stock here that kind of led the rally back. Now, is it kind of more, has it gone too far here? Dennis, what do you think about Apple? 150, major overhead supply. If you're jumping in at 146 or 145, you're going in for another three or four bucks, in my opinion. I'm really worried that one of the big guns is going to warn. I'm going to continue to say that. I'm worried. That's exactly I don't know if what it's I've necessarily been Apple, about. but if Microsoft warns or if Google warns, Apple gets hit on that as well. I'm worried about a warning or a lower guide from one of the big guns in the earnings reports. And that's why I'm staying away. So I've hedged my Apple. I've sold my Microsoft. I'm still on Google. I'm still on Am- my wife is still on Amazon, which effectively makes me still on Amazon. Um, I've sold my Meta, so I'm just you know I've obviously got Q expo- Q's exposure, so I still have indirect exposure to Apple, but I just am concerned about the valuation not being cheap at 24 or 25 times earnings. I'm concerned about a recession. I'm also concerned that you know people might not be looking to buy a new iPhone if they're strapped for cash. So I think that eventually starts to show up. It may not show up this quarter, but I think it eventually shows up. I'm not hungry to pay 25 times earnings for Apple here. Yeah, that would be my biggest concern. If we get a pre-announcement from Apple and it goes down, that's going to be a wicked day. So we'll see if it does eventually happen. And will Apple ever confirm or not confirm the Bloomberg report, right? I still haven't heard anything uh, be mentioned. And I think we might not hear it until the earnings, unless they come with that, you know, really, really bad uh, pre-announcement where we'll see what happens. Let's go towards our guest today. We're going to bring you guys on over and bring on Sean Udall, the, t- the tech stock strategist is what I had in my report. And so, uh, there, you know what we're going to ask you, what's going on in the tech world? How we doing, Sean? Hey, can you hear me? Okay. Definitely have you. Perfect. Well, the tech world has been a tumultuous, painful world yeah. since basically November of last year. And I think Dennis and I have remember at least a few conversations that that was sort of the, the first big warning shot that I, that I sort of let out. And uh, I think I, just, just echoing back to various things, this was going to take longer than most people thought. This was not going to be a V. It could be a V shape now, by the way, but this was not going to be a quick V shape fix months ago. Um, People had to deal with some of the excesses that were in the market. Although I, I definitely don't think we had anything like 2000. So that's something we could talk about. But anyway, where we, I think where we are now is we're at a point where, while most people aren't realizing this, I think we're at a very similar point to where we were in 2008, where stocks had bottomed, but the indices hadn't bottomed yet. And maybe the indices just did a retest. We kind of have a lot of double bottomy looking charts right now, but I, I don't, I don't know if we really know. I don't think there's any way to know if we can say that the indices have put in durable lows yet. Um, but I think we're at that moment in 2008. I remember, uh, and Dennis will remember this. I'm sure by the time you got to March of 09, which was the ended up being the ultimate low, tons of stocks had didn't go to lower lows again. In fact, lots of stocks are probably up 50% or more. Heck, lots of stocks, a number of stocks might have been up 80 to 100% by yeah. the time that hit. So, so for most stocks, especially the tech sector, so the market always leads, 
economic activity, I would say tech always leads the market. And that's, that's exactly what's happened. Tech's led the market on the way down. So I, I kind of think that's where we are. I, I think we're, I don't think this is like 2008, but what I mean by that is stocks basically have priced in a financial crisis of sorts, some sort of financial crisis. Uh, we, we are not in one yet. I don't think we're going to go, fingers crossed, knock on wood. I don't think we're going to go into a financial crisis. I'm talking a serious one. We, we could argue there's already a currency crisis in the world. But anyway, that, that's where we are. Stocks are priced for a financial crisis. We're not in one. Uh, so what, what leads us out? I think some stocks are there, will lead us out before maybe the indices. I'm with Dennis. I, you know, the, the only area of tech now that I arguably don't like is mega cap tech. Because that's still the area where some stuff is arguably too expensive. And frankly, the setup for it isn't, isn't that good. That's really good. But, but yeah. I think that's the holistic thing. The question is, do you know, have indices, is this a double bottom retest in indices? We don't know yet. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But there's a lot of stocks that basically bottomed almost in March. Or some May. bottom in March, some bottom in May. Yep. And there's a lot of stocks that are 50, 60, 80% above there. Which I I probably don't I don't I don't think a lot of that stuff's going to retest. I mean Netflix isn't going to go to a lower low than it hit. Netflix put in its lows there. So there's one big one that I think's put in the low. You know what I'm going to say, Dennis? I think Meta actually has is has made a low. I think that's a very good very good probability. It's been destroyed. Been I mean, destroyed. it has been absolutely destroyed. Yep. That and the valuation is bad. I just don't know what they are. Like, I, I don't know if they've, they're finding their way, and that's why I'm like hands off on Meta. I think there's maybe easier money for the simple reason is that I don't, I don't know if Zuckerberg even knows what they are yet. You know, he's talking about <laughs> switching this to a metaverse. You know, we're going to have profits, and you know, it's going to be a huge part of revenue in 2030, and people are going to wait around for seven years for you to figure it out. So that's why Maybe. I'm like, but I, I love the conversation you were having, you know, with, you know, other stocks at the bottom in May. And I made a bold call after May saying, I think that 2022 low for ARKK was in. I made that back in May. That, that, it's still I, holding I would those probably lows. agree with that. Yep. I would it, probably agree with that. And again, a lot of those stocks just had such a bear market. Some of these stocks were down 80, 90%. Yeah. And they kind of already, like you said, were priced in for just disasters here. Where maybe it just overshot. Where you know when you go back, and I'm just summing up what you just said. You know, with you know the apples and the mega caps. Well, they haven't got hit nearly as hard. You know, and obviously no. maybe they shouldn't get hit as hard. But some of them, you know, haven't even got hit hardly. You know, that bad. Like in the case of Apple, you know, it's been hit, but it's not hit that hard. So give us a few smaller names that you're looking at that maybe had their bottoms in May or June, and you feel like you know maybe you can start dipping your toe into today. I mean, there's there there arguably is hundreds of them, but I, oh, I think man. <laughs> I mean seriously though, that it, we're we're still kind of in in a market of one in the, in the sense when when you get a distressed market, you know correlations go to one for all intents and purposes. But I mean, yes. here's just a few we've talked about before. But I mean, I, I like these names. So you know, you, Unity. Uh, every time we get a an even whiff of risk on Unity trades as good as anything. Yeah. Now it, it it gets it gets shellacked pretty hard too, but but what doesn't? I mean, you know, there's 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 almost no har harbors of safety in this in this space. Anytime we go risk off again, the algos just pile on to anything because there's a buyer strike. There's no buyers, so you know there, there's no 
they, they can kind of just drop bid short, drop bid short and do that a thousand times a day. And then, then all of a sudden buyers come in again and they quit doing that. But the whole, the whole point is this one Roblox, uh, you know, path just put in a low P A T H path just put in a low. I, that was one where I was like, eh, don't love, I, you know, it's okay. You can nibble. But I think, I think this one just put in a low. They just pre-announced again. I was on with Joel recently and we, we kind of talked about double confessionals and uh, like, what was the thing that made Netflix bottom? It wasn't one guide down. It was two guide downs. And then the second puke was the low that held. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure this is the second guide down for path Roblox. Roblox has guided down twice. Um, interestingly, DraftKings looks like it guided down four times. DraftKings has yet to lower numbers. DraftKings has yet to miss numbers. Dra yeah, again, if you if anybody looked at this chart, they would say, oh, DraftKings, oh my God, their, their business must be dropping off a cliff. Business is great, right? And now is this the quarter that they finally miss numbers and lower? I don't know. That's what everybody thought last quarter. And by the way, last quarter, they didn't have any NFL betting behind them. So... And I, I yeah, again, this is just, you know, we all hear the same kind of rumors. Rumors are, and there, there's actually been some stats from sports betting, published stats that have been pretty darn strong. So I don't know. I, I, I like if they lower the bar now, I, I'd almost be surprised. So anyway, there, we, we could rattle off so many of these dang things. Um, you know, Octa's a maybe, you know, Octa's kind of weird because. I don't think they really. Oh, they did. They did lower long-term numbers a smidge. They didn't. They didn't really guide down, but they did sort of reset growth expectations longer out. They didn't drop them a lot, by the way. Um, so, so here's a stat though. So, so I was going to say this. Uh, I was going to wrap this up. My closing thing would have been: look to where software average and median valuations bottom. So if I remember, 2016 wasn't like a major market crash, but it was a market crash for stocks, biotech, high beta, small caps, things like that. Uh, I think the average biotech stock was down something like 70% from top to bottom in, in 2015-16 cycle. And small cap tech was probably similar. I mean, the, I, I bet the IWM or IWO was down 40% top to bottom in that, in that phase. But anyway... Median software valuations tend to bottom at four to four and a half times sales. Now, I think the, the technical one is it's forward sales. So a lot of people use trailing sales. But and so if you just think about that, where are we now? Guess guess where the May June lows were? 4.1 or 4.2 times the median software multiple. By the way, think about that too. Think about think about all these companies with 20 to 50% growth rates. And there used to be a lot of them that sold for 25 or 35 or 50 times sales, which was, which was bubbly. Now you have companies selling at four, five. I mean, the expensive companies now are 12 X like snow is probably 12 to 14 X forward. And that's might be the most expensive one, by the way. Um, but you have octas like 4.5 times sales, a Twilio, is three times sales. And they have a third of the market cap in cash. So, but yet now everybody's worried about these things. It's like, guys, the time to worry about this stuff was when they were three or four times higher. Yeah. And, and there was nothing else good that could happen. Okay. 
<laughs> now nobody thinks anything good can happen. You're buying stuff at, at, you know, again, just, just to let you know, if something has a third of its market value in cash, it means it's three trading at three times net. And this is net cash is trading at three times net crash cash. Guess where Apple bottomed about two and a half to three times net cash in 2013. That was a pretty good time to buy Apple. Uh, is Twilio today Apple 2013? It's probably not as big and powerful of a company, but it's an industry leader, right? That it so is. Dennis remembers me coming on and saying pound the table on Qualcomm at 50 bucks. Yeah, I kinda and I did. I actually bought Qualcomm because of you, Sean. I bought, I think it was 60. You see what happened? And I still have it. So Sean <laughs> so, gives us some good picks every once in a while. So, so you know, I mean, but the, here, here's, the, here's the last thing I'm going to say just in general. So, so what everybody, what's the, what's the lark now, or what's the mantra now? Oh, well, stocks don't bottom until a recession is blah, blah, blah. But guys, how, like you have all these so-called experts. How do they not recognize where we've been in a recession? The first half of this year is a recession, two negative quarters of GDP. They want to rewrite the definition of a, re, of a recession. So, so, but the, the bottom line, we're in a recession yet. Nobody, everybody says, oh, we're going to have a recession next year. Well, that would actually be odd because usually when you're in a recession, you don't then go into a recession like eight to 12 months later. So, so it, again, people can argue about that stuff if they want, but it's like, yeah, you can rewrite history, but the two negative quarters of GDP has pretty much always been a recession. I don't, I don't know why you need to rewrite the definition. So anyway, when you come out of a recession, which is, I think, what we're going to do, then stocks tend to lead that cycle. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's just so much lunacy and idiotic comments being made now. I, I you know, I, I think Dennis, you said it at the end of the day, nobody knows anything really, right. Yeah. We're all just doing the best job we can yeah. with information we have. And we, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's an educated guess and then a risk management process. Yeah. Right. So, so, but I'm going to say, you know, I'm not afraid to say, I think I know a lot more than the fed does. I mean, if you gave me 400 PhDs, I think I would be making a lot better decision than the Fed's currently making. So there's an argument know. here, and we could go into Fed talk here. I've made this <laughs> argument that they've raised rates enough that if they just let the rates sit here at this point in time, it's going to do some demand destruction that they're looking to do and bring yeah, inflation. A lot, How long Dennis. Will it take? A lot. Well, but Mitch, it all takes time. It has How to can take we say time. it's not already occurring? I mean, there, there's a lot of it. I mean, what, what do you need? Do you need housing activity to drop 99% to be convinced? It's dropped like, what, 82%, right? I think housing, housing activity has dropped like 82%, something like that. The, do, do you need it to drop 99%? They just need um, to see inflation really go down. That's the truth. We haven't seen it go that's down. That's lagging. That's lagging data. Pull, pull up a commodity chart that's of any commodity. Too. I mean, uh, lagging or not lagging, though, that's what they depend on. Well, but they, you know, they never, I wouldn't say Greenspan relied on lagging economic data. I, I would not say Bernanke, Bernanke made a mistake when he, I mean, Bernanke was the, we, they know nothing fed governor, right? And he was one of the best fed governors ever. So they, they all make mistakes, right? The, 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 the problem is two, two wrongs don't make a right. So the fed really messed up by not hiking when they should have hiked. They should have taken the emergency hikes away way, way, way earlier than they did. So then they waited too long. They didn't hike at the right time. And then now they're like, here's what, here's what I don't understand. Dennis, maybe you can ask. It's like, 
do you want to put an extra 12 bullets in the gun just so you have eight more to use than you could have used in the first place? In other words, that that to me, that's all they're doing. It's like they're just yep. putting extra bullets in a gun. That's true, too. So they could just use a bunch of bullets. Like, like what's the point of hiking if you're just going to have to cut later? I don't get it. It's a game. It's a game they play with us, Sean. I, I think they're. <laughs> I think it's like a power monger thing. I think they get. I think they get off on the power. I mean, ima- imagine if if actions you take literally destroyed economies. How f- powerful you would feel. That's a very psychologically. Th- you know. I think a power doesn't have to be a positive thing. The feel of power can be just as intoxicating in a negative way. That's a whole psychological discussion. That's probably it's it's it probably is worth talking about at some point. Anyway, though, so I think where we are now, where I mean, I, you guys may agree or disagree. I mean, we've hit max negativity three times this year. We we have, you know usually only hit it once. Well, two thousand eight though, in, in true bear markets, you don't hit it once; you hit it multiple times. So you hit max negativity, you hit an interim low, you retest it. Sometimes you break it. Usually you break it two or three times. You know the third or fourth or fifth low is usually the low that holds. So I'm going to circle back all the way again. I think there's a chance that we're kind of in this two thousand eight moment where lots of stocks have bottomed, but the indices is like a coin toss. I kind of agree with what you said on the, at least the bottoming there. I definitely uh, can see that. And I kind of tried to point those out with the boxes here on the bottoming price action that you've been seeing. Um, But so now, now we're in the third low phase, right? The first low is never the low that holds, right? Unless unless it was 2018. That's the only time I can ever think of, by the way. That you basically only ever had one low. You had one big V-shaped low and the low held. And then you never had a retest or anything. And that, by the way, that, that whole cycle, that was all, that was basically a Fed policy mistake period too. It did, it, it doesn't, it, we don't really, it, we probably don't feel it now. At the time though, it felt pretty brutal. I, I think the IWM, you know, small Russell, I, I think that was down 30, 40% during that in, in like a six month period. So so, you know, the, the problem with this market, the thing that the thing that gives us incredible values to take advantage of for people that still have any cash left is you that things trade now on liquidity. People can argue fundamentals all day long and eh, doesn't doesn't really make most stuff isn't really trading on anything fundamental right now. Because everybody says, well, all the expensive stocks are going to get down. Well, there's still some of the stocks that are have held the best. I've been the most, I, I would argue the most, one of the most expensive stocks on the planet has so far held up better than anything. That's just Tesla, no. right? Tesla, Tesla probably has the smallest declines of any mega cap stock. And coming off of highs, it was probably the most expensive of the mega cap stocks. So whereas arguably Meta, and again, I, I don't, I think Dennis makes a very good comment. They may, maybe they're, they've lost their way. By the way, Meta still produces like, what is it? 40 or 50? billion in cash flow so may, maybe meta doesn't know exactly where it is the, the core business is still their core business though i don't i don't think the core business that is facebook instagram blah 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 uh, 200 300 billion a year of advertising revenues i, I don't really think that's going to go away if you're if you're a business and you need to drive eyeballs or grow try to grow your product sales and stuff you're going to advertise on google and you're going to advertise on facebook or Instagram or whatever. So 
I don't think the core business has changed. You could make an argument that is the metaverse investment good or bad? Well, I don't know if anybody knows that. I think Facebook knows that they want to keep growing. They have to try some different things. So, but, but that's, that's interesting, but, but meta arguably was one of the cheapest stocks and it's probably been hit as hard as anything. And we'll yet the, some of the most expensive stocks have held up. Snowflake has probably held up as good as anything in tech in the super, super expensive stuff. And that was arguably one of the most expensive tech stocks we've ever seen at highs. Well, thank you for joining us today, Sean Udall, giving us some software outlook and a, and a way to look for maybe some price to earnings and kind of look to see price what you to see. sales, price, price to, to sales. sales. Price to sales there. Definitely pay attention to that. He gave you guys a level that he's looking at to start looking at valuations. And maybe that could be something that you guys can use in your tool belt. Appreciate you like always, Sean, Thanks, coming Sean. on. And we'll have you on next time, my friend. Appreciate you coming Been on. a frustrating period. Take care, everybody. Yeah, got to keep battling. That's all we can do. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get back towards the market. How are we hanging in there right now, Dennis? Uh, we're leaking a little bit. I just want to sum up what Sean was saying. I'm I'm in agreement on some of these stocks, actually. And I know you got Kramer pumping, you know, don't buy stocks without earnings. Some of these have been hit really hard. There's going to be, and maybe Sean's got skill set to figure out which ones, but there is going to be some of these, you know, maybe it's a Unity. You know, maybe it's, you know, another one of these, you know, no earning stocks, but some of these are going to be steals at these prices. Um, they have been hit really, really hard. Now, I don't know which ones, you know, Unity from 210 down to 36, 35 today. Is that the one? I, I, I've liked this one before. I think I would be buying a pullback on a Unity software because I do think some of these stocks did make their lows. But again, I'm still thinking, you know, even though, you know, and and I, I agree with Sean, we are in a recession. I think a recession is going to last for a while. So unless those, the Fed pivots, the way out, and somebody was asking me in the chat earlier, the way out and to get back to all-time highs is the Fed just throws in the towel on inflation, pivots, and you know starts cutting rates. And yeah. I don't see that happening anytime soon. I don't think you see that happening anytime soon, Mitch. And that's why I tend to be underweight stocks still, even though some of these stocks have been hit really, really hard. Yeah, it's all going to be about where do they finally want to get that benchmark rate. Like Sean, you'd all mentioned, they need a couple more bullets, right? And that's what it seems like. They're looking yeah, for a couple they? more I, bullets. I mean, that, do they that, need it? Argument that can, yeah, do they need it is an argument. But will they do it? I think it's more uh, a probable than improbable. Because I think at the end of the day, I've said it from the first start that they started doing this hike rate. They play extremes. They're going to play all the way to the other side extreme to where they actually see the economy probably weakening or they see that jobs number uh, unemployment starting to spike and once it gets towards a certain level they'll start kind of taming it down but until then is there a reason for them to turn around unless they see financial instability like maybe a pension fund like kind of what happened in england i don't think they're going to make that call even if something is going on in Europe, they're not going to make that call because here is what they're focused on. Financial stability and, right here. And if they're not making that call, it gives me time to still you know, sit here in cash and wait this out a little bit. I just think to be all in on this market is just too much risk at this point in time. Do I want to be all cash? No, I don't want to be all cash either. And I think if you're all cash, I think you're using today's pullback to maybe get into a little bit more risk. 
but it's still you know a lot of risk out here i'm a risk manager that's why i've been in business as long as i have so much risk out here makes me just not want to just jump in here and buy stocks i kind of agree with thinking about it said here the fed should probably not pivot to inflation gets between four to five percent and i think that's kind of a level that i think you'll need to get it down yeah at least below seven right i mean we're still not even there. So I think that that's one thing that has happened that has kept the Fed fighting. It's inflation's not going anywhere. Until that happens, they got to keep up the fight because they definitely don't want it to see it ramp right back up. And of course, I've talked about the inflationary pressures that are coming out there, right? With the whole chip war that we're starting. They don't, they don't want to get into that with an already heightened inflation. So I think they're going to keep battling to get that back down. Uh, let's take some stocks from the chat. I want to go ahead and um, Elon's asking for uh, some coal stocks. So I'll give you one here. Uh, AMR. Um, AMR is, was a, a good leader. You can take a look at BTU if that's what you like. Uh, this is Alpha. I'm not even going to. Metaturical resource. There you go. Yeah, I tried it. Um, we'll see if it can get back above the 158 level. That's where I've been watching uh, where we really kind of topped out here in the price action last time. And then we got a little spike. But I've been keeping my eyes on these coal stocks. They had a nice little pullback there yesterday. Do they fill the gaps, though? These have been gapping on up. Same thing for BTU. A lot of gaps. Yesterday, we had the kind of that red day. I'm looking for maybe a little bit of a fill into that shadow, then get that spike back. A lot of times, we like to fill them first before we take the next run. Um, but coal stocks, not a bad way to take a look at these AMR. Uh, BTU, and I'll give you one more just because I know them, CEIX. Um, so take a look at that one. That one looks like it's trying to get back through 74, and coal stocks have been making a good move. These stocks have been running back so much, I'd sell them all. I think this is an opportunity. If we're going in a recession, coal gets hit too. Um, if we are in a recession that continues to be a recession, coal gets hit too. Um, I think there's been a nice rally back in a lot of commodity stocks. I'm a seller of it all. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at Google in the chat. Uh, it's Google they want to take a look at. Um, what do you feel about this? Been chart? really beat up. I'm long Google, long term, not selling it because I don't really realize, realize the capital gain from a decade ago when I bought it. Um, 95, 96, 97. I think we bounced out of here enough that I think you will find buyers on Google on a pullback. The valuation is not crazy on this one. Um, but you know, it hasn't performed either. So, you know, is online advertising going to get hit if we have a prolonged recession? Absolutely. That's not good news for Google. So short term, I don't know if I'm buying it, but long term, I still own it. It's a hard one to call. Technically, I just don't see where it could really find a bottom right now, at least from what I see on my charts. So hard for me to call a bottom there on Google. Let's keep going. Uh, next one. Uh, I saw someone mention QCOM. So I know we don't talk about that one often. Qualcomm um, bouncing off of, it looks like the 200 uh, week, weekly number here. Uh, at least has that as support right now. It has had a little bit of a bounce here. How do you feel about Qualcomm here? Um, I own it. <laughs> You're picking on all the stocks <laughs> I own. I bought Qualcomm back when Sean Udall pitched it on this show probably three or four years ago. I bought it $60. I still own it. It went to 192 I sold part of the position way earlier than that. I sold half, like 130s because I'm completely playing with the house's money. Back at 120 
I'm just not buying stocks here. But honestly, if I was buying a stock, Qualcomm would probably be one that I would pick on. So yeah, I don't mind it here at 120. Long All right, this one I don't think you have. Chipotle. No, I don't have Chipotle. The valuation has <laughs> always been too crazy for me, but the stock just continues to perform. I don't like the pattern here. I think eventually it could break down. Obviously, we got out of that 1468 in a hurry there, but it just looks like it's kind of tired to me. It's been an impressive you know, years of run here for Chipotle, CMG, years. You know, we're $295 in 2017. We're $1,536. So I, have, I think the easy money's been made in CMG. I'd ring the register. I have guac all over my face from this one because I've been bearish Chipotle for a long time. Me and too, and we've been out, wrong. So, so maybe don't listen to us on Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> hey, sometimes you know, like this is one of those not bearish calls that not my stock yet. Just stay away. Not my you stock. Should, you should know better. Stay away. Uh, CMG is definitely for me a no touch. Uh, let's go to any comments on Cleveland Cliff. Uh, Steel has had a it's, little bit of a bounce it's been recently. A, just beat up really hard. I mean, Cleveland Cliffs, and you can get attractive and say, well, the valuation is cheap, but the business is so bloody cyclical. Cyclical. I'm stuffed up here again. I'm never going to get rid of this COVID. Um, it's so cyclical that. Those earnings, you know, when you look at a 3P, like U.S. Steel trading 4P, how can you go wrong? Go wrong. If they turn around into a down cycle, they can actually start losing money again. So I'm torn. You know, we've had a run here. If it pulled back to 14, maybe. I guess you're getting a little pullback here this morning at 15. I I just, again, it's, it's all the same thing. You know, if I think, and I think the recession could be here for a while. I think these stocks get hit the worst in a recession. You know, it's like some of the stocks that Sean was talking about actually may not get hit that hard in a recession. They already got hit. It's like cyclicals, so they get hit hard. So I just don't want to own steel right now. Until I feel like we're coming out, until I feel like, you know, we're out of it all, maybe this is the turn. Maybe we had the turn two days ago. Maybe this is the pullback to buy. I just, I just haven't changed my overall thought process that the worst is yet to come. Well, let's just take a quick look at the SPY. We're wrapping up here on pre-market prep. We're just off those lows there in the pre-market. So uh, just kind of battling here around the 374 mark. Is it kind of more of buy the dip mentality here or sell the rip that we've had? What do you feel, Dennis, wrapping up, going into the open? Today, as a day trader, buying the dip because I think we caught a few people short and I think they'll use this opportunity to get in the stock. So today, as a day trader, I'm actually bullish. I think if we got down another couple 20 handles, I'd be more bullish. You know, obviously the 50% retracement way down 367. I don't know if we get that far down there today. I do think you will have people coming in and buying the dip here today. So as a trader, I probably have the bull hat on. As an investor, I'm still in the rallies raising cash. We'll see what happens today. Like always, we'll keep battling right here on Benzinga. Have a good one, Dennis, and go do what you do best and go okay, get thanks, into everyone. that trading. All right, we're going to wrap up, get you guys over to live trading coming on next. Like always, we've been taking a look at different stock trades. Yesterday, I traded Tesla towards the upside. So if you guys are at, wondering how we're doing on the show, well, take a look at Tesla yesterday at the beginning towards the show. Uh, we took a nice trade on Tesla as it was popping on up, sold it into the 254 before that big turnaround. And of course, the Twitter news came. So at least we avoided that. Now we'll take a look at Twitter today uh, and we'll take a look at Tesla today. What will happen with Tesla? Will it kind of trade off of what happens in Twitter? Come find on out. We'll see what happens 
in live trading today. We got Lord Ryan, myself, and of course, I'm going to try to do my best to stay back into the green. We've got a red day, green day. Let's see how we can do today. Hit the like, and I'll see you guys next time. Hope you guys appreciated today's pre-market prep. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.